welcome to Upbringing, where Hannah and Kelty, twins, mothers, and works in progress. Upbringing is a movement that empowers us all to engage bravely with the hardest aspects of parenting, to create positive change in ourselves, our families, and the world. Join us to build intention, elevate skills, and align our parenting practices with our greatest ideals. When we practice trust over fear, connection over control, and progress over perfection, we're not just raising our kids, we're raising ourselves. Let's show up and grow up. Today's episode is supported by Artifact Uprising, a sister-owned company helping us honor the meaningful moments in our lives through printed photo gifts, books, and more. Their beautiful, minimalist products are made from recycled papers, reclaimed materials, and all here in the USA, which we love. Indeed. Artifact Uprising has helped us make tangible the intangible. You know, the moments that fly by or get lost on our phones Mm -hmm. or on our hard drives. They've helped bring those moments to life again for us to enjoy now and for years to come. Exactly. Learn more about Artifact Uprising and support Upbringing by visiting today's show notes or our partners page at upbringing.co. Now onto our empowerment. Welcome to our Monday Twin Talk, where we uh, explore one of our 12 empowerments and discuss it a little bit. Today's is We Welcome All Emotions. Yeah, our 12 empowerments are basically touch tones or reminders that inspire authentic alignment between what we believe and what we do. Mm-hmm. Do we do them all the time? Uh, no. No, definitely <laughs> not. Um, we basically made a laundry list of all the hardest parts of parenting. And then we worded the empowerments as reminders for us in how we can lovingly engage with and accept those challenging aspects of being a parent instead of freaking out or over controlling. Mm -hmm. So the empowerments are kind of like the antidote to control or Mm -hmm. the way through these obstacles that we're encountering day to day as parents. Yeah. Yeah. Today's is a big one though. It's It's a really big one. I'm afraid we're going to talk for like four hours we have to pick up the kids in like 40 minutes, so okay. we don't have very keep, long. Keep this one snappy. Yeah. Let's start with our feature episode, like our feature portion where we talk about a little it's all connected book or podcast or poem or just something that we've read lately that's interesting that we want to share and that somehow kind of pertains to our empowerment. Okay. What do you have? I, um, I want to talk about a book called Burnout. Mm. And I just ordered it, so I'm really excited to read it. I heard about it um, on Goop, the Goop podcast. And it's written by Emily and Amelia Nagoski. Oh, the twinsies. twinsies. I remember you telling yeah. me about it. Like, just freaking amazing ladies. Um, I just, I was just tickled by her. She wrote Come As You Are, which is also on my book list. And she's just, she's amazing. Um, I highly recommend the, the episode on Goop. It's called How to Minimize Stress and Avoid Burnout. And her sister isn't on, I think she's kind of the, she's the main writer. Her sister's actually, I believe, a music professor or teacher mm. and joined in to write the book. But, um, Can I miss a beer soda? Yeah. And, uh, but basically, burnout explains why, why we women experience burnout differently than men. So it's kind of a feminist angle on burnout and self-reg and stress and stress and yeah um and it kind of it supposedly provides a simple science-based plan to help women minimize stress manage emotions and live a more joyful life and for me it was just the way she talks about these things the way she goes about it with so much energy and humor and just 
really focused, um, I don't know. I, I have to think a little bit more about her, but you'll you'll understand if you if you listen to her or read her. But I have a few quotes of hers that I heard uh, her talking about on the show and that are from her book that I wanted to share really quick and kind of lead us into the episode. What about the hug thing? <clears throat> well, one of the, she, yeah. the yeah, one of the the strategies she, she talks about basically how we spend most of our lives managing external stressors, the actual things that stress us out hopefully, you know, uh, our work, you know, routine is really crazy. So we try and deal with fixing the routine. Our kid gets hungry at this time. So we work on feeding the kid. We have a purse full of medicine and yeah, it's like safety pins and we're, we're yeah. doing all the things we're problem solving the stressors, but the, the thing that creates burnout aren't those stressors. It's the cum- accumulation of stress that those stressors causes that actually isn't getting taken care of. So it doesn't matter how much we try to minimize the stressors. That's one way to go about it. But no matter what, eventually stressors are pretty natural part of life. The stress should not be. And most of us don't end up purging the stress and kind of breaking that, that, um, that cycle a little bit, right, Kel? Mm -hmm. Um, and so she talked about different ways to go about that. You know, the basics, good sleep, exercise. Um, but the one that I really loved was a 20 second hug, which I think she got from John Gottman the Gottman Institute, um, which is saying hug somebody for 20 minutes and 20 minutes or 20 minutes. Oh my God. That would be amazing. Be Who's good. got time for Depending that? I would. Is. Yeah. Um, can someone hug me for 20 minutes? That sounds pretty good. But, um, the quote was, if you hold someone that long, it communicates to your body that you have a person in your life whom you love and trust enough and who loves and trusts you enough to stand this close together. And your chemistry shifts into a state of, uh, I have come home which is the end of the stress response cycle. So she based that's an idea saying one of the op, it's evidence based that we have these stress response cycles and it never we never cycle all the way through to purge the stress. <clears throat> and so certain things like a 20 second hug or longer um, or exercise or like good a, sleep a or a second kiss also. Uh-huh. That's a really long kiss. That is a lot of Mississippis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, things like that can actually help us purge that stress. Um So that was pretty cool. And then there was one other quote I really loved about her. She said, most of us have spent our whole lives being taught to believe everyone else's opinions about our bodies rather than to believe what our own bodies are trying to tell us. For some of us, it's been so long since we listened to our bodies. We hardly know how to start understanding what they're trying to tell us, much less how to trust and believe what they're saying. To make matters worse, the more exhausted we are, the noisier the signal is and the harder it is to hear the message. And what I think she means by bodies is our, our bodies, our feelings, our, our internal mechanisms, our, ourselves, essentially, that we spent so much time caring about the, what everyone else thinks instead of ourselves. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what leads us into these, this emotions talk, right, yeah. Kel? I mean, I think yeah. that's just a, a big one for us in general is realizing how much power we have over our children and how we are struggling so much to engage respectfully so that we don't dominate their experience in a way that has them constantly looking outward mm-hmm. for approval, recognition, answers, you know, mm-hmm. solutions about what is should be very personal and very clear to them mm-hmm. because it's their own. Yeah, we're, we're showing them what to pay attention to in every interaction that we have with them. Yeah. And we, we have to be really conscious of w- what that is that we're pointing them towards that and does, who that is. That does segue well into our empowerment. Okay. Okay. 
We welcome all emotions. When we judge, shame, or punish an emotion, we rob our child of the tools to manage it. All emotions are created equal, and when we see each as a path to understanding ourselves and one another better, everyone's self-regulation and emotional intelligence grows. Mm-hmm. So we've, we've got some pretty huge dreams for our kids. Mm-hmm. This is where each of the empowerments begins with this like <laughs> golden basket of dreams that we have and the terrifying reality of what we're dealing with and, and the dissonance of <laughs> the dissonance. will that transpire and it's how, like, but how, yeah. Um, yeah, we want them to be what loving, empathetic, compassionate, calm, introspective, Happy, easygoing, mm-hmm. self-aware, emotionally mature, resilient mm-hmm. grown-ups, right? That would be nice. Well, I think we want th- them to be those grown-ups, but I think most of us actually want to have those kids as well. And that's uh, kind yeah. of the the beginning of busted, our, of our issue. <laughs> really busted. I would like my kids to do all that right now. How about you? Um, that would be pretty nice. But I think the thing that you and I are slowly and painfully discovering on this journey as parents is that this idea we welcome all emotions is it's all about Mm self-regulation, how we regulate the emotions and not our kids' emotions. We're talking about our emotions, our self, our self-regulation. And and that's like how we talk about anything with upbringing and in parenting is that it starts with us. It's an inside job. If we're parenting, then we have to have our shit together. We got to figure this out Mm -hmm. as best we can on this journey with our kids so that we can help support them. Yeah. Yeah. And that what we really are in control of are our own thoughts and behavior and not ultimately our kids' thoughts, mm-hmm. behavior, emotions. Mm-hmm. It's a big one. It's a big one. Yeah. And I think it's a big one because we've all grown up believing certain things about feelings. You like know, what? happy is good. Mm. Sad is bad. Mm-hmm. Easygoing is good. Frustrated, bad. Mm. Nice is good. Angry is bad. Confident is good. Scared is bad. Smiling is good. Frowning is bad. <laughs> Laughing is good. Crying is bad. Quiet is good. Loud is bad. Yeah. You know? And that's so, some pretty antiquated shit, too. It, it absolutely is. Yeah. But guess what? We all grew up with it. Our parents grew up with it. Our grandparents grew up with it. It is this inherited legacy of beliefs about how we relate to one another and how we relate to ourselves mm-hmm. that you and I talk about has essentially cut us off from a huge part of our human experience as individuals and collectively with one another. But it does sound crazy. I think if, I think a lot of people might hear this and be like, what? I don't want my children to experience the full spectrum of emotions. I don't want them to suffer. Mm -hmm. I don't want us, I don't want to experience the full spectrum of emotions. If I could just cut out sad, angry, frustrated, that'd be pretty ideal. Mm -hmm. So why are we saying, let's bring on this full spectrum? Mm-hmm. Because we can't avoid it? Because it's there no matter what? Yeah, I mean, I think that we, don't, we're not, we weren't raised thinking all of these feelings exist for a reason. They're all natural. They're all wonderful. And the negativity put on them is something we create that's not inherently negative in them, in and of themselves, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. That we've taken, these things are good and these things are bad. And so we've been raised to do that and to look at them that way. And so that's why it, it pains us to see our kids experience frustration, anger, fear, mm-hmm. you know, resentment, because it triggers in us, we, we see it as bad. And then it also triggers in us all the, those feelings that we had and weren't maybe, maybe able to, yeah. to express that well, you know, yeah. it's but, a it's really complicated cycle. I think it's sort of like 
when I think about when I'm in a struggle and seeing my kid have big feelings, whether anger or sadness or whatever it is, mm-hmm. I feel like there's two things happening at my conscious approach, which mm-hmm. is can often be something like, I don't want them to throw this fit in public, or mm-hmm. I, I need to show them that they can pick themselves up off the floor and keep going, or I want them to be happy. So whatever, that's a mm-hmm. conscious thing. And then there's the unconscious stuff like you talked about oh, that are yeah. just like our triggers, our baggage. Some big beliefs. Just the, yeah. the, the underlying beliefs, the, the, the discomfort, mm-hmm. you know? So, I mean, that these things are inherently wrong. Yeah. That these things mean a certain thing about them or about us. Yeah. That so these when, things well, predict a future, right. you know, that's really scary. When, well, when we believe that, what what are the sort of things that we do? So what are, this is, these are the things that we often do that we're trying not to do. Mm-hmm. So when our kids have big emotions, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're super scared. They're super mad. They're super frustrated. We mentioned all of those. Something you and I have found very instinctual to do, mm-hmm. uh, for example, is to reject them. So stop. <laughs> I literally will be like, stop. Yeah. Like, Please be quiet. Stop, stop yelling. yelling. Yeah. <laughs> um, or, you know, I want to minimize it. You're fine. It's not a big deal. Why are you freaking out? This is, it was just a spoon or mm-hmm. whatever. Or, you know, I want to fix it. Just take turns. Here, you take the blue one. You take the red one. Okay, we're good. Okay, mm-hmm. stop crying now. We're fine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I want to reason with them, you know give some 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 logic you know you ate the last cookie there are no more here's the box look da 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 da, da. or the reason we can't go to the park is because of this this and i've this. told you three if times I, if i just explain it to you enough will mm-hmm. you stop screaming mm-hmm. you know um i definitely sometimes take things personally when my kids oh, are yeah. having big emotions mm-hmm. like how dare you talk to me that way i got off work early to spend time with you or like you know, I've worked so hard today and now you're treating me like I've worked two garbage. hours on that meal and yeah. you're throwing it around. Right, exactly. Yeah. What else do we do? Um, at times I get really tired and I just want to appease them. Mm-hmm. And I just am like, okay, I give up. Fine, we'll go back for the third time to get mm-hmm. the shoes you want because I can't handle the screaming because the way seeing you suffer and freak out like this is too painful to me. Mm-hmm. So I will just, I'll be late to work. I'll let something else mm-hmm. go, you know. What else do we do? We are led to distract our kids when they have those big emotions sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. How, you know, do you want to watch an episode of Paw Patrol? Hey, what's that outside? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, we, we judge. Yes. Yeah, like you're being a brat right now. Or why are you being such a crybaby? Mm-hmm. What's your sure. problem? Yeah, yeah, totally. And if we don't say it, we definitely think it. Yeah, absolutely. It's, and that's that, coming out of my eyeballs. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We what punish. We what punish. Yeah. yeah, you know. If you don't stop, use or what they call give consequences now. If you don't stop using those words, we're not going to go to the park later. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't calm down right now, we're leaving, mm-hmm. and we're not coming back ever again. Mm-hmm. I've been I've been really led to make big grandiose yeah, statements like that, we threaten or punish. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, what else? We shame mm-hmm. without even meaning it. Just even being, being like, oh, and just giving an eye roll mm-hmm. in front of them, that look of disgust. That's mm-hmm. that's shaming your kid. The cold the shoulder. Emotions. Oh, mm-hmm. it feels shoulder. bad doing it and getting it. Well, and that's the, leads to you know we isolate or we ignore them. So go do that in your room. Come back when you're calmed down. You know, mm-hmm. or I want time for a timeout, or I'm not talking to you when you're like this. I'll be upstairs. Mm-hmm. That type of thing. It's, it's we do a lot of stuff. That's mm-hmm. a lot a long <laughs> list of things. Those are just it's, some of the things that. Come Reject, to my minimize, mind. fix, reason, take it personally, 
appease, distract, judge, punish, threaten, shame, ignore, isolate. That's mm-hmm. a long list. It's kind of exhausting. Really. I might give myself some grace about this because we've all done these things. Oh, yeah. We do these all the time. Um, and and that's okay. We we haven't, a lot of us been given the skills to not do those things or to not desire to do those things, to not feel that those come very naturally to us. They come yeah. very naturally to me. Absolutely. Yeah. And that it's, I think before we, before we had kids and before we started reading more and just talking this stuff over and over and over, I think we didn't really know that there is another way that we could do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's kind of what this empowerment is about. It's just like, let's just take all those things off our job description. Let's Mm -hmm. just take all of them off. What if we didn't do any of those things? What if we just didn't do any of those and we just shift our energy instead to welcoming all emotions. Mm-hmm. And, and we're going to talk about what that looks like. It was a big relief for sure. Yeah. Trying to do that kind of stuff. Um, and I think the basis of it is saying when our kids are having big feelings, they're going through something and doing any of those things, fixing, minimizing, rejecting, shaming, punishing, isolating, that just adds. And mm-hmm. I think our response can eventually become an added stressor to their response. I mean, mm-hmm. we've dealt with that with our partners before where sure. I'm having a, a really hard evening and I start getting really like bitchy and terrible. And then my husband starts reacting negatively to me and I'm like, no, dude, I'm the one with the problem. You need to help me. <laughs> you can't lose it too. One crazy person at a time. That's yeah. what we always say. Yeah. So this is the, goes the same with our kids that we need to regulate, not control. Mm -hmm. We need to help them embrace the full spectrum, the full rainbow of emotions. We've got to lean in, support, and calm the situation. And it's really, it's not that hard. It's not as hard as we think it is. Like, oh my gosh. It's not as hard or as stressful as doing all those other things, I swear to God. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking back though, what makes us think that our kids should be able to do this stuff on their own already or shouldn't be doing, shouldn't be having these big feelings. We mm-hmm. have these big feelings. They had these big feelings when they were babies and we didn't do any of those things to them. Mm-hmm. We weren't like, sorry, you've cried four hours today, so no more crying now. Mm-hmm. Like they were, they I cried. fed you, yeah. you know, why should, why are you still crying? I, I fed, I fixed it. You I don't know? know. I think maybe people probably do that with babies too. Cause they're like, what do you need? You're just screaming. That's it. Mm, yeah. But we learn the signs. We learn their signals. We, we problem solve. We don't blame them just for crying. And I feel like as our kids age, it becomes so much harder for us to not mm-hmm. say, come on, you're old enough to know this. Come on, you're old enough. When to, are they old to, enough? I don't. When I don't they do it. <laughs> they're old enough when they do it. Yeah. Readiness is when they do it, baby. As Magda Gerber said, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what's, I mean, what's so hard about welcoming all emotions? Okay. Well, we talked about that a little bit. Our culture, right? Mm-hmm. Saying, you know, these things are good. These things are bad. It's mm-hmm. pretty, pretty cultural Our own situation, which is sim- probably similar, likely yeah, based on the culture. Sure. Yeah. It's uncomfortable. All these emotions because of that bring up a lot of discomfort, Nobody a lot likes, of fear, like, getting screamed at or yeah. watching their kids suffer. It just sucks. Mm-hmm. It can be embarrassing. You mm-hmm. know, if it's public, mm-hmm. it, it looks like somehow we're not doing a good job as parents or we're raising little shitheads, mm-hmm. you know, it's embarrassing. Um, it can be scary because we're just like, oh my gosh, if they can't handle this one little thing, how are they going to handle a college exam? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, we, we end up projecting, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. But I think that we say we welcome all emotions and we group them all in there because 
you know, you and I are 35, 36. 36. You always we're 36. Old and we're still experiencing, how many of us are still experiencing fear, frustration, worry, anger, resentment? Mm-hmm. I still personally experience all of those things. And our parents and all of our teachers and everyone we've ever known who's, you know, taking care of us have done a pretty, you know, decent job in telling us that we shouldn't be feeling those ways. So I feel like we're a pretty good control group in that trying to minimize and fix and do all of those things, kind of separating those emotions doesn't actually work. We're still in our mid thirties, um, struggling with them, Mm -hmm. you know, needing some skills and some support with them. It doesn't make them go away doing those things. Those things don't seem to be very helpful to us is what we're realizing. And there are other things that we can be doing. Bottom line, we have to accept why, like, and understand why emotions, mm-hmm. all emotions are valuable. Um, they're, they're all there. They're very necessary. They're very natural. You know, I think generally speaking, our kids have trouble regulating their emotions, right? Because their brains are not fully developed yet, right? They're supposedly not developed until they're 21, Right. And I would argue that many people older than that do not have developed brains yet either. Well, no, because they haven't developed the skills. Yeah. You know, I think that having trying emotions and big emotions is something we all go through. It's natural. It's something our kids need to go through because it's developmental. They're, you know, they're incredibly sensitive little beings. Every bright lights, you know, affect them. Loud noises affect them. A tiny little scratch of a tag affects them. They're like these very highly sensitive, beautiful, I think, I think I like ethereal some, beings. I, I forget that yeah. sometimes. And I'm like, shouldn't they just like get with the program? We're doing this now. We're doing that now. And then other times I was walking past our old childhood house the other day and I looked up the driveway and I remember that driveway feeling so steep. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm looking at it. It's like this tiny little anthill. It's like nothing. And I remember like going to a play with mom and dad and being like, it felt like hours Mm -hmm. and it was only like 40 minutes or something like just reminding myself that our kids experience life so differently than we Mm -hmm. do and I don't think we always give them credit for that Mm -hmm. but that idea is that well we can move on to that later sorry I'm kind of like my brain's all over the place um but the other idea is that emotions have to be expressed otherwise they're repressed Mm -hmm. so we all experience these emotions at being human living in the world responding essentially to stressors in our environment. And if we don't, if we aren't able to adequately express these feelings and move through and move through them and process them and integrate them, then we basically repress them. They they stay in our psyches. They they move into an unconscious place. They affect our bodies. They affect our beliefs, our behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um I always love bringing up the DABDA, the the stages of grief that um, a lot of people are also using, like Susan Stiffelman is using them in parenting stuff. Uh, But just this idea of of a natural progression of moving through a a difficult emotion to get from the one side of of it to to acceptance, essentially. And DABDA stands for... What? Denial. Yeah. Anger. Anger. Bargaining. Depression. And acceptance. Mm -hmm. And... The idea is that um, in psychological circles that if you can move through, there's a situation, there's a big emotion. If you can move through all of those things, that's what people typically process during grief, but also any big event or any small event with kids, then that helps your brain really wire itself to be able to process those emotions instead of storing them. 
Um, I feel like that happens to us sometimes. I realize that, mm-hmm. <clears throat> that we just get stuck on anger and mm-hmm. we just don't move past mm-hmm. all the way. Yeah. Because I think that a lot of people, a lot of us were shut down, uh, maybe as kids or as young adults, um, when we, you know, we were in denial about whatever it was. Okay. Finally, we start getting angry and having these feelings. And then it's like, stop, go to your room, stop. I'm turning away until I'll talk to you when you're not mad anymore. And that doesn't allow us to get to sadness, to get to, um, bargaining, which is like feeling like struggling within it. Mm -hmm. And then to get to that final side of acceptance where we can really just feel more integrated and at peace and at ease with those things. Mm -hmm. And the stress can kind of go away. I'm mad. I'm way more often mad than I am sad. And I think it's because I'm just not in touch with being sad that much. Yeah. I truly have not, haven't gotten there enough times. You handled it really well with Alex and with me. You're like, when I'm mad, I'm crying inside. Yeah, I really and cracked the code on that one. Yeah, you yeah. did, and that's so true. Mm-hmm. Well, it's hard to remember sometimes, mm-hmm. but, but it's I really think it's true. hard to remember with our kids as well. Oh, sure. Yeah, that like this person that's throwing something at me and saying they hate me, they're needing help right now. Like mm-hmm. what? But anyway, uh, back. I feel like we kind of got on off on a little ta- tangent there. That's okay. But. It can be dangerous to hold on to stress in our bodies. It can be dangerous to to repress our feelings. Um, it's held in our body. It affects uh, so many me- metabolic processes, like our blood flow, our reproduction, I our feel sleep. Like the book Self Reg talks a lot about that. Yeah, Stuart Shankman, yeah. Self Reg, cellular repair and growth, our immune systems. You know, so much and. I think that's that's clearly not you know something we want to be holding on to. It's not something we want our kids to be holding on to. And I think that's why we're like, well, then we don't want them to feel those things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's not how it works. We've got to lean into those emotions. That's what we're going to kind of be talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I always love the quote um, from Siblings Without Rivalry, uh, Maslish and Faber, or Faber, I've never pronounced her name right. Um, they talk about how insisting on good feelings leads to bad feelings. And acknowledging bad feelings leads to good feelings. Mm, I love that. You know, it's all about vulnerability. It's all about saying, yeah, I'm going to see that whole spectrum of emotions and, you know, and honor those things. We can actually get clear on them to move through. Yeah. I think Brene Brown talks a lot about vulnerability. That's kind of her, her thing. But she has this quote that says, Vulnerability is the birthplace of love, belonging, joy, courage, empathy, and creativity. It is the source of hope, empathy, accountability, and authenticity. If we want greater clarity in our purpose or deeper and more meaningful spiritual lives, vulnerability is the path. Mm-hmm. And vulnerability in our context here is being able to feel those tougher emotions, those human emotions. And it's being able to see them and bear witness to them. And as Brene says, sit in the dark with those things with our kids. But I think that's what's so hard is when our kids or someone close to us is going through something with these big emotions. If we're there, if we're not being active, trying to fix, trying to dismiss, Mm -hmm. trying to push it away to distance, we get dragged into it. Mm -hmm. And and because it's uncomfortable, we don't want to sit in the dark with them. We don't want to, them being vulnerable and us bearing witness to that requires us to be vulnerable at the same time. It's a really big ask. It totally is. Yeah, totally. Okay. Well, hopefully we've (laughs) talked a little bit about why we should welcome all emotions, but how, how do we do that? Well, and I think we missed something about why is like, it can harm our bodies, but we'd also talked about why is in like, 
we have to help our kids build the skills to understand their emotions because the only way to understand to to like manage our emotions is to first be aware of them and understand them mm -hmm. and doing all of those things minimizing you know punishing all of that stuff doesn't help our kids understand their emotions anymore at, at all it makes them push their emotions away it makes them repress their emotions which is not healthy so yeah. not only is it unhealthy for our bodies and our psyches to to you know not be experiencing and expressing and understanding those negative emotions but it's also just we, we won't be able to do it as easily ever we're, we're mm -hmm. losing a, a big skill right yeah i like to look at it too as an opportunity to bond and to connect and it feels really impossible at first when our kids are having big emotions, especially at us. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's one of the biggest challenges. If they're just crying because they skinned their knee, it's a lot harder to bear witness and and connect and be there for them than it is when they're screaming that they hate you. You know, mm -hmm. and that's one of the the big asks through all of this welcoming all emotions things is is realizing that your relationship can still get better for it even when you don't feel like it can in the moment. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. I don't know. I think everybody listening is going to have a need, a different angle on this and a different reason to help them kind of click into it. Mm -hmm. You know, whether it's a like a brain science thing being like, oh, their brains can't even do that. And that's why they're crying and doing these things. Or someone else might be like, I know the brain, the why of their brains, but I still can't handle the what, you know, mm -hmm. and someone else might be like, I can handle the what okay, but they're what okay, but I can't handle my what, you know, mm -hmm. like it's, it's such a complicated thing and there's no right answer necessarily about any of this. But this idea is to just broaden our understanding, broaden our awareness, get a little bit closer and more comfortable with this idea mm -hmm. of, of welcoming all emotions in ourselves and in our kids. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny when, um, Whenever Justin is telling somebody about kind of how we got into all this parenting stuff, and I remember when it sort of began when you started reading some of Janet Lansbury books about rye parenting, and Justin always tells the story of your daughter who was maybe like a year old or so having a total fit because my daughter, who was only like a few months old, sat up like on her chair, was on her t bed or something. Yeah. And your daughter was just like, she's on my bed, not on my bed, I mm -hmm. and, and you looked at her and you were like, you don't want her up there. Yeah, you're, that's really frust frustrating to you that she's up there on your bed. You don't like that. And I was like, what? Why are you talking for her? Are, are, aren't you gearing her up by, by mm. putting her feelings into words? And aren't, aren't you fanning that flame of, of what's happening? You want to say, no, she can be on the bed too. Mm -hmm. that's, that's your cousin. Be nice to her. She can be on the bed. Mm -hmm. But is that a side by side comment? No, <laughs> no. But it was. I, and Justin tells yeah. the story so much better. But like, it was so inspiring and and jostling in the moment to be like, oh, actually, instead of telling her that what she was feeling was wrong, basically, mm -hmm. you were on her side, helping her find words to express what was going on for her. You weren't going to take the baby off the bed but you were there next to her helping her. Mm -hmm. Or maybe I would have taken Wilder off the bed. Like maybe I totally would have done that, but I just, I needed to allow her to, I emotion coached basically. Yeah. That's what therapists do. That's what, you know, to build emotional intelligence. But that's, it's, but you know, I just remember it but sounding it so very counter. weird. And, I, and yeah. I know that sometimes when we're talking with our kids that way, I feel people's like heads turn <laughs> in a restaurant. Like, what are you saying to them? Um, so this is part of the how is, 
this is an example of how we acknowledge. We mm -hmm. acknowledge and validate and well, commiserate. The, yeah, and the idea we welcome all emotions is saying before we can figure out how to feel better and, and what to do next time and solving the problem at hand with, mm -hmm. you know, baby on the bed or whatever it is, we just have to just co-regulate with you. We need to help you process. And I don't know if we mentioned that in the why situation <laughs> of why, like, why do we need to be the one to do that? I think so many of us, and at least I have thought, my kid's freaking out. I have to welcome all their emotions. Why can't they welcome my emotions? Mm -hmm. Why don't I get to freak out on They're them? They're Godzilla. Why They're, do I have to be Mother Teresa? Right. Yeah. This does not seem very fair. Oh my gosh. Um, Parenting is so unfair, Hannah. <laughs> But it, but, but it feels that way at times, yeah. especially when the way that they're behaving really brings me back to, I think, moments when I was feeling those same things. And mm -hmm. it's, it's really difficult. But I think that the idea is that their brains are learning how to self-regulate and they're but not going to do that on the, by themselves. They can't do that until we co-regulate right. with them. Yeah. yeah. Co-regulating is basically supporting their emotions until they can support their emotions themselves. Yeah little kids cannot do it by themselves. And that's why so many of the things that come so instinctually and naturally to us, fix it, isolate, punish, is putting distance and saying, do it on your own. It's saying, you've got this on your own. I'm not here for you. And I'm not approving of this. Do this alone. Learn this alone. And they won't. And it's going it, to, you know, th they never will. And mm -hmm. that's why we know a lot of adults who are on Jerry Springer, you know, or mm -hmm. who have a lot of trouble or a lot of internal shame. You know, everybody internalizes these negative emotions or they externalize them. They go into to quiet mode and hide mode or they like freak out on people. Mm -hmm. um, and so do our kids. They do these things too. But so what I'm getting to is that it's our job as, as, their, as their parent, as their model, as their advocate to be their co-regulator. And so the way, whatever way we support or seek to support them is what they're going to learn about the emotions and about themselves in the future. We're building that blueprint for them. I know, but that's such a big ask because that would require us securing our own oxygen mask before assisting those around us, mm -hmm. right? And and yeah. that that can't always happen. That doesn't always happen. Mm -hmm. Like that that's why we said all of this is about self-regulation and and our self-regulation because we can't help them until we've helped ourselves first. We can't help them unless we're calm and not taking things personally and unruffled and can mm -hmm. be loving and, and a presence for them. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's, it's really hard, but it's one of those push and pull things. Like I think that the more we're working on trying to support their emotions by validating what they say, by acknowledging their struggle, whatever it is, no matter mm -hmm. how inane it seems to us, yeah, so you're an example, you know, um, we kind of did it with well, the bed. Well, yeah, but. like with the bed, I would say, you know, you you it bothers you that she's up on the bed and and you it seems like you don't want her up on there. You know, yeah, you're it's you seem pretty upset about that right now. Yeah, you know, or if she were able to speak, I would probably just simply kind of say what she's saying back or sum it up a little bit. And then I would say I I hear you. I'm I'm here and I would crouch down and be near her with whatever it was so that she feels like someone is there to bear witness, to hold space around these tough emotions that I think with little kids and a lot of us, even to this day, when we have these negative emotions, they scare us, they confuse us. And that's how little kids are. They're learning these feelings in these situations for the first time. And the way we go about showing up, it informs them 
how to how go about in the future. <clears throat> it kind of reminds me of like when you see a kid trip at the park, mm-hmm. one parent might run over and be like, oh my gosh, are you okay? And you see the kid being like, I don't know, am I okay? And yeah. they're like freaking out, like mirroring that. Mm-hmm. Or you see a parent who, you know, can just walk over and be like, oh, what happened? How's it going? And the kid's like, oh, I don't know. I'm, you know, and they just yeah. tell you how they're or actually Or you feeling. see a parent who's like, sees them and is like, you're fine. You're fine. What's mm-hmm. the wrong? What, what does that tell the kid about themselves? You know? Yeah. So the way we go about, you know, supporting these tough emotions in our kids it, it matters. It's going to be the way that they support their own emotions someday and other people's, yeah. you know. But I think that's something that you always ask Hannah so well is the way we're interacting with this, whatever it is, mm-hmm. what does that tell our kid about themselves? Mm-hmm. What does that tell them about us? Mm-hmm. And what does that tell our family about our relationship? Or them you know? about their world. Or about their world, yeah. yeah. absolutely. I think positive discipline talks about that a lot is – you know, the way I react, what does it cause my kid to think about themselves? So if I reacted really negatively to like, what, what Roy, she's just, you know, baby's just on the bed. It's okay. What would that lead her to think about herself? That her feelings don't matter, that she's overreacting because she's, you know, we haven't even gotten into the point to the brain stuff. We've kind of skipped over that too, that like when we're emotionally flooded, when we're hyper aroused, um, are, we're not in a thinking thing. So oh, so many of the tactics we go about to talk about our kids or manage their big emotions don't even work because they're not in a place of receptivity. They're just in reaction mode. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, she wouldn't even be able to be like, oh, baby's on the bed and that's okay. Oh, all right. Thanks for that logical explanation. Yeah. I'm good now. Right. Yeah. She would think, oh my gosh, the way I'm feeling about this is wrong. Maybe I'm bad. Mm-hmm. Mom looks frustrated at me right now. Maybe, what, I th- what do I think about her? Maybe she doesn't love me that much right now. And then what do I think about my world? Wow, Wilder is getting more attention and getting to stay where she wants. So maybe I don't really feel good about her right now. And then how do I feel about my world? I'm not feeling connected to anybody right now and I'm confused and alone. I guess this is how I feel in my world. And that sounds like kind of crazy for this one big thing, but those instances over and over and over again can really add up to a big belief system about our kids' selves you know, our relationship with our kids and their sense of themselves in the world, mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, me getting down on my knee and saying, wow, you're, you're, you look kind of frustrated about that. Maybe you didn't want her up on the bed. Did you want her to be somewhere else and just dive in and try to understand her experience? Listen non-judgmentally. Mm-hmm. you know, that, what does that tell her? That I care about her, that I seek to understand her, that she's valuable to me and that she has a different opinion that I want to know. Mm-hmm. You know, she thinks of her world as a safe place that has an attachment figure who will connect to her unconditionally. You know, it's just, it's a, it's a different way of going about things that I think we, it's so easy, at least for me to think that I am showing love and I am caring for my kids when I try to fix it or when I try to ignore it or try to just do the best I can. But I think that I kind of unwittingly can undermine their sense of self, our relationship, their view of the world. So. And sometimes just reacting that way makes it worse. Mm-hmm. I think about, you know, when when I'm dysregulated and I'm with you or with Justin mm-hmm. and I'm like you like you described earlier, I'm like kind of ramping up, really uncomfortable, saying little snippy things and being mean and and when the person reacts in kind like that, it amps me up mm-hmm. and it makes it worse. Sure. It's, if I say, Kelty, like, why, why are you freaking out about that? What's your problem? Like, gosh, I mean, we'll just go later. Or why are you or being whatever. mean to me? Jeez. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. You're being such a bitch right and now. And I'll be like, I am not. Or, well, you just did right. this. And it just escalates right. the situation. Instead of me just being like, this isn't about me. Let me just give you a hug. Or what's going on? Yeah. Are you okay? How are you doing? When you, when you say, are you okay? Are you doing okay? How are you doing? How are you doing? Mm-hmm. How you doing? That's such a cue to me that I'm like being mean and didn't even realize it. And that, but that's such a but nice it's a, way a to say. a cue for awareness. It is. Yeah. It's such a nice way to say, Hannah's sort of poking me, but she also cares because she's acknowledging that there's something going on underneath instead mm-hmm. of me just acting mean to her. That's what I've been trying to do with my daughter and son too when they do something crazy. Mm-hmm. Like what? Ridiculous. Like throw a rock at our car. Oh yeah. <laughs> remember they, when I know they weren't supposed to do it. Peed in your clog the other day. Oh my god! He literally <laughs> was outside, naked, mudding around in the yard, and then I look over at the porch, and he's squatting naked over my clog, my farm clog, and literally peeing into it. And I did not respond that well because it was so surprising. But like things that are a little less surprising. I th- I Rocks at the car? That's pretty but, surprising. Well, I don't, it was a small rock, but oh. I, I just walked over. I was close and I kneeled down and I was like, how you doing? Because saying you can't throw rocks at the car, they know that. Yeah. Like, let's cut to the chase here. You What's can't going- pee in my clog. You can't pee in my clog. <laughs> what I, I think I ended up saying was, why, why? are you yeah. peeing in my fucking clog? <laughs> what the hell? And he said, I thought it would be funny. And then I was like, okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can totally imagine you thinking that. Yeah, but yeah. I'm not finding it funny right I, now. Yeah. I, yeah, I can't let you do that again, okay? Can you help me clean it out? Cool. Yeah. But like, given too much attention to that one, he didn't have big emotions with it. So no. we're talking about big emotions here. We got to stay, yeah. stay focused, Kel. You brought up the rock thing. Yeah, but well, they were mad when he was mad when oh, he did that. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are some other things we do other than acknowledge and validate and commiserate after putting the oxygen mask on, obviously? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it is uh, that I care about a lot is our language. And I think mm-hmm. it's really easy to be like, you're mad, you're frustrated. You're th- Even when we're trying to validate, we're saying you're this. And you and I get really finicky mm-hmm. about making sure that, and I switch it in books a lot, you're feeling this. You're feeling or that. It seems like it seems you're like whatever. Where we're not putting a judgment on. It's even hard to say you're mad because they might not be mad. They might be sad. Like we, mm-hmm. we. I don't even want to tell them what they're feeling. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, they can tell us. That's but why saying, we use the word uncomfortable. You a seem lot. uncomfortable. Yeah. You seem upset, and that's a very nice vague word. And then later we can process what it was. They can explain, and then we can say that sounds like you were frustrated. We can kind of help translate. Uh, as they get older, we can translate in the moment better. But when they're younger, they're just they're not as verbal, so mm-hmm. it's harder. But I think that idea, that temporal feeling of like, of saying I'm feeling this or it seems like this right now, yeah. is saying this isn't who you are. This this feeling isn't a personality trait or an identity thing for you. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so easy for all of us to, all of us probably in our childhood were the crybaby, the shy one, or the shy one. Or the the mad one or the bad one, the mischievous one or the rude one or whatever it is. And I mean, that was, I think, in huge part because we were told, we were given that belief over and over in little bits um, by the way we behaved and the way we expressed our emotions with our kids, with our family. Um, So something I've been talking a lot about with my daughter is the idea of feelings being, you know, like weather, like they talk about that in, um, in Now Say This. Mm. that book and also in the Dan Siegel and Tina Payne Bryson books, the whole brain child and stuff. But this idea that what, that feelings, you know, aren't who we are. They're not sticking around forever. That 
kids don't know that right away. You know, that, that feelings come and go and that we feel angry and then it's, we're going to feel better and not to minimize it, but just to say, I'm going to sit and weather this storm with you. We're going to get to the other side. It's going to be all right. And then finding a time later to reflect and be like, oh, wow, you, you've seemed really frustrated this morning about getting your shoes on. Like, how are you feeling now? Are you feeling better? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so great. Like, and then what can we do next time or how this or whatever? Yeah, so, or I, mean, I was a bitch earlier, yeah, you know, circling <laughs> like, back is such yeah. a, we did a whole empowerment episode last season on circling back, didn't mm-hmm. we? Yeah. And it was, it's really one of the best things ever because it helps put a pin in the moment for me to be like, it's okay calm down. We're going to circle back on this. Mm -hmm. I don't have to lecture or explain or teach or do any of these things that I feel compelled to do. Because they won't work right now. They're not going to work. My kid is not going to listen. I'm probably going to end up yelling it, Mm -hmm. honestly. It's basically choosing to argue with my kid right now to just convey information. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to use this chance later to circle back when everyone's regulated, when we're sitting reading a book, Mm -hmm. when we're at the dinner table. And I know this is very counterintuitive in a lot of ways, because you're like, what? Why would I bring up this shitty thing that happened? Isn't that telling them that it's okay? Am I, or am I going to go into lecture mode again? I don't want to do that. Or are they going to freak out again? I'm going to cue them to, you to know. do more of that yeah. or something. Um, but it gets easier and easier. Yeah. The more we do it, the more we bring it up and are just like, hey, this thing happened. Like sometimes I'll We're talk normalizing about- it. We are in a huge way. And I think sometimes I sit down with my daughter after we're just driving or doing something and I'm like, is there anything I could have done differently? Is there any way I could have helped you better mm-hmm. when you were really upset earlier about the thing? And sometimes she's just like, no, I wanted the thing. You wouldn't give it to me. So next time, give it to me. I'm like, <laughs> okay. Um, and then other times something comes up that she just hadn't told me like, no, I really needed a hug right away. And you didn't, you were across the room and you didn't give me one mm-hmm. or, you know, something emerges, which is kind of fantastic. I think that's a huge thing though, that there's no one size fits all fix strategy for this. It's, it's this ever evolving thing interpersonal relationship, what um, Stuart Shankman in Self-Reg talks about as the interbrain, this connected brain that we share with our kids to help as their co-regulators teach them how to self-regulate. And that is very particular to their personality, to our personality. Mm -hmm. Like you said, Kelty, if you feel like you're going to yell and you're having trouble with your self-regulation, maybe talk less, Mm -hmm. maybe just go over to them and kneel by them if they're freaking out. Maybe, you know, take a deep breath and say something like, I'm so sorry you're struggling right now and I'm going to go to the bathroom and I'll be right back, mm-hmm. you know, and, and just go have a minute where you can calm down and take some deep breaths, mm-hmm. you know, or some kids might want to be sitting in your arms crying and other kids might be like, I need my alone time. My daughter that sounds does, amazing. doesn't like, yeah, yours are clingers. If I tried They're... to walk away, they'd be like grabbing my ankles and mm-hmm. stuff, even if yeah. I did it nicely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so every kid is so different and it's, and it's our job as their co-regulator to see them uniquely and to figure out you know, calibrate, like, how can I best support them in these moments? And then next month, it's probably going to change a little bit, probably, you know, but the amazing thing is that when, as we're co-regulating, as we're doing these things, and building these strategies, showing them that their emotions aren't scary, that we're talking through them, we're circling back, we're, we're figuring out how to simplify and reduce the stressors that can trigger their meltdowns or their anger or their things. They start learning, oops, they start learning those things too. And then they start coming up with their own idea. Like my daughter was like, this pillow, she saw at Powell's, it was like this awesome squishy log. She was like, I want this as a calm down pillow. I was like, what? 
is this some trick to get me to buy you shit? Because it's working. I need these calm down shoes also. Uh-huh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I bought it for her and she squeezes it and holds it when she's like feeling a little angsty or all cured to it and be like, do you maybe we got to get your calm down pillow? You're not like, go like, to your calm down pillow. No. <laughs> that kind of defeats the purpose. Yeah. But, um, but they, the amazing thing is that they start figuring out um, strategies for themselves. They start getting aware. What are you talking about? I feel like you keep saying they, 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 they. our kids. Sorry. Yeah. But our kids start figuring these things out. And even my daughter recently, I was getting a little huffy. It was probably like Saturday or Sunday morning and everything was just a huge mess and we needed to leave. And I just hate coming home to a crazy mess. So I was probably huffing around a little bit. And she she put her hand on my shoulder, got to my level, put her hand on my shoulder and said, mom, do you want to maybe take some deep breaths? Oh my God. And I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess I need to do that. So I sat down and took some deep <laughs> breaths. I was like, right now I really want to throw something, but it's my job to model these things that I'm supposedly teaching her. So I guess I will do that. Yeah. So it's the gift that keeps on giving. Okay. What are some of our other coping strategies other than taking deep breaths? So, <clears throat> well, yeah. you know, just it's mindset, me- mental mantra, mindset. Mm-hmm. How, what are we thinking and feeling when we're dealing with kids with big emotions. Right, because before we're actually in the moment with them, we can be like, oh yeah, it's developmentally appropriate. Mm-hmm. It's let's health, run, Let's run the four steps yeah. really quick. So our four powers are respect, connect, innovate, and trust. Mm-hmm. So leading into this conflict or watching our kids struggle with big feelings, go ahead. Right, we have to respect that this is, they're a unique person, that they have their own experience of the world, that we need to honor their individuality, their developmental stage, their readiness, and their experience, right? That's the general idea. And it's mm-hmm. our job as the advocate in this respect step to be there to support that uniquely and sensitively, right? Mm-hmm. And then connect is we we seek to understand them. We are the empath. We, we want to help them. We want to understand what they're going through so that they can also understand what they're going through in the hopes that... Maybe they'll start building some self-awareness to mitigate those things in the first place, right? Or to see themselves through it instead of relying on us every time. And so that's getting close to them. That's listening more than we're speaking. That's nodding and showing empathy, even if it seems absolutely ridiculous. You know, it's connecting to ourselves and understanding what we're going through. Self-care for us as well. And then the third step is innovate, where once everybody's calmed down, it's very, you know, pretty rare in big emotions that we can be like, let's problem solve this because all of our focus in our brain or our kid's brain especially is in the more emotion-focused reptilian back part of the brain rather in our prefrontal cortex where we can make more better decisions and really think through and process stuff. Um, but at that point, when everyone's calmed down, we can get some shit done. How do we simplify next time? What would work for you? We help them and support them collaboratively to support themselves eventually. And then the last step is trust, where we just got to trust that all of this is happening for a reason. We're all human, having our emotions, them and us, we're on this journey together. You know, this full spectrum of emotions are healthy and wonderful, and we're going to get through it. And as they're learning about their emotions and how to manage them and integrate them and recognize them in other people, we're also learning to do that with our own emotions. Mm -hmm. This is the gift of parenting and, you know, a lot to be grateful for in that way, even though it doesn't seem that way all the time. Yeah. Yeah. When, when I'm not able to run through the four steps and I'm just able to kind of sit and nod and bear witness, like you mentioned earlier, Mm -hmm. I think some of the things that run through my head, I remember Janet Lansbury always talks about rolling out the red carpet for Mm -hmm. our kids' emotions. And she's such a pioneer in like emotional acceptance Mm -hmm. and emotional, um, 
intelligence, intelligence and, and all yeah. that. Yeah. Um, just rolling out the red ca- carpet, like bringing it on. And that's why that you, it's healthy. That's why we use the yeah. word welcome, mm-hmm. welcome them, not just like, but, like accept, suffer through them, suffer through yeah. and accept it's welcome them. Yeah. You know, um, what else we, I feel like often when I see my kids struggling and it's really irritating and I feel like mm-hmm. I might yell at them, I try to remember that they need help. Mm-hmm. And I just focus on the word help. They're stressed. They need help. Right. And that it kind of like brings me back um, to where I need to be. Yeah. That which it's is a not, compassionate helper. Right. Yeah, that it's not staff. that they won't do whatever or they won't stop crying or won't stop yelling. It's that they can't. Yeah. That's what dysregulation is. It's when our bodies can't, we're in fight or flight. Yeah. We're in total but, crazy but mode. But it really feels like won't often. Mm-hmm. But it's can't. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that I've had to do because both of my kids are um, spirited, sensitive uh, kids, and there's a lot of crying. And we talked about this. Mm -hmm. Some parents maybe feel blindsided by these big emotions because it only happens once a day, once a week, or once a month. Mm -hmm. And then there are other parents who have kind of higher higher in the spirited department with their children where it happens a lot. So Mm. highly sensitive, highly highly spirited. spirited. And they're put through the ringer all the time. So they have like... They're like fatigued from it. But you're also incredibly skilled, Kelty, because you get the chance to practice so much. That's the flip um, side I'm of it. I'm so grateful for, for all this practice that I'm getting. <laughs> <laughs> no, but what I ended up really doing, all of a sudden I realized that when my kid screams or yells or throws a thing, I've like made this mental conversion in my brain. It's like what I'm what I'm seeing is like almost like a Nintendo screen, but on on the view that I'm that I'm looking at of my kid. And, I, and it's like all these gold coins are like falling from the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Like, um, like, what do you call it? A, like a, a slot machine. Like a slot uh-huh. machine. Like ding, 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 ding. Like that is now, like I've trained myself to be like, this is good. Mm-hmm. I just won some money. Yeah. They're yeah. expressing something instead of repressing something. Yeah. They're, they're providing an opportunity for our connection. They're providing an opportunity for some skill building and self-reg because mm-hmm. I get to, me, yay, get to go over and co-regulate with them describe the feelings, nurture, connect, do all the things. And then maybe that'll help them next time they're not feeling so hot. And eventually they'll be able to help themselves. And then eventually they'll be able to show up and bear witness with a partner, with as a parent, with their Mm -hmm. own kids. These are really big skills that we're doing now. This is the work of parenting. And it we did not know that that was on the job description. No, we didn't. No. But I feel like we should acknowledge the fact that Maybe a lot of people listening right now are like, okay, emotions, I can handle that. But what about the nasty behaviors that go hand in hand with these emotions? Mm-hmm. Like, well, And that's what triggers our, <clears throat> our reactions right. too most of the right. time. So, okay, yeah. crying is okay. But when they're crying and throwing things or crying and hitting me mm-hmm. or crying and yelling that they hate me uh, or crying and hurting their sibling, mm-hmm. like how, how do I accept that? How do I welcome that? Mm-hmm. No, ma'am, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Well, I think it's really tough because we we live in a world where we just, we respond to what we see, not to what the underlying need is. And so I think it's really difficult to be like her doing that to her brother or throwing that thing. That's an emotion. Yes, it is. It's an extension of our emotions. Mm-hmm. Our behaviors are extensions. So the reason we continue to say, yes, just focus on the emotions, focus on the emotions is that if we can get to working on those, then the behaviors will follow. Mm-hmm. The, just doing the behaviors, that that's not the root cause. The behaviors are the symptoms. It's like taking, putting a Band-Aid on a huge, like a disease, you know, mm-hmm. like you can't, it doesn't really get to the thing. So yes, it sounds totally crazy, but besides stopping them, you know, showing the limit, the boundary, keeping everybody safe, we do not 
we really try not to get angry because then it's putting our emotions essentially on their emotions. And the worry is that our kids will then get that feeling of, well, she's stopping my behavior, but actually she's stopping and not happy with my emotion. They're not able to differentiate between their emotions and the behaviors that follow from the emotions. I really value and respect your feelings right now, but I've can't believe you did that thing, blah, blah, blah. Like right. that doesn't no. work. We can't it doesn't, do that. We can't do that. So yeah. we have to say, wow, you're so angry that you hit your brother and I can't let you do that. I'm going to stop your hand right now. Yeah, you seem you seem a little wound up right now. Wow, you're having trouble controlling your body. I'm going to move him over here to keep him safe and I'm going to sit with you here for a second. You know, And it seems so permissive. Like, no, they need to know that behavior was not okay. Obviously they do. Or they will, but they were crazy in that moment. Obviously dysregulated, big emotions. So let's let's get to the emotions. Let's get to that underlying need. Let's support it. And then we'll circle back and talk about the behavior, the resulting symptom from that deeper, you know, need or lack of skill or whatever it was, the emotion mm-hmm. that was there. That's the idea. But we could talk about this more. And if this is still an issue for any of you listening, like let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. We gotta keep rounding this up. Um, another great thing, I mean, all of this welcome all emotions truly is showing in research that children whose emotions are welcomed, who learn self-regulation through co-regulation at a young age are more emotionally intelligent, emotionally intelligent. They're able to have successful relationships, feel more ease, have less risk of depression and anxiety. What? Good social skills. Yeah. Basically have good social skills and then also, um, you know, raise kids without all of that baggage as well. Mm-hmm. But I think there are a lot of re- positive repercussions like in the present that can happen when we lean into our kids' emotions and wel- really welcome all of them. You know, like for example, seeing my daughter call me down the other day, that mm-hmm. was pretty humbling and amazing and rewarding. And it's, and or you were talking about how your daughter is starting to do that with your son, mm-hmm. four-year-old and oh two-year-old. It like, only took three years for her to be bothered by his screaming and yelling. <laughs> it's like the moment that happened, I was like, oh! Finally, like she's going to lean in and she stop torturing to help. him. Yeah. yeah. She cares to help out. She's like, make it stop. Mm-hmm. Finally. Yeah. But the way she talks to him and leans into so him, sweet. like they notice the way we work with them and their siblings, they start noticing that and they treat, our kids treat their siblings the same way or treat us that same way. It's pretty awesome. Um you know, one of our other friends was having uh, trouble with her her eight-year-old who was just bitching about all the things she didn't let him do today. And he was just kind of berating her and complaining and just, ugh, it was really tough. And normally, you know, she would have been, you know, defending herself, criticizing what he was saying, being like, you can't speak like that to me. Maybe go to your room, something mm-hmm. along those totally lines. understandable. Yeah. <clears throat> But she's been working on a lot of this stuff and welcoming all the emotions. And so she did that. She said something like, oh, man, yeah, you sound bummed about what what happened today. You feel like I didn't do enough of the things you wanted to. I'm so sorry you feel that way. And, you know, it, it, it's hard feeling that way sometimes. And I was really tired and didn't couldn't manage all of those. And I'm sorry. And then there was a long pause. And he said something like, can I tell you what you did let me do today? And she was like, uh, yeah, that would be great. Sure. And then when he left, he actually turned back from his dad and was like, wait, I have to go give mom a hug and like ran and gave her a hug. 
and then left. Like so surprising sometimes. So yeah, yeah but it's that the reward isn't a long term reward. It, it is a long term reward, but it can be a short term reward as well. Yeah. You know, I think that we we try to shy away from immediate fixes and immediate results, but sometimes those do happen immediately, and it's pretty freaking well, awesome. Sometimes you can just see it, and like we've talked about so much, the sliding door situations where, like she did, she mm-hmm. saw, wow, this could have gone really differently if I'd handled it this other way. Mm-hmm. You know, and we have that yeah. all the time. Like what would he have? What would he have learned about his emotions? What would he have learned about her and and how she sees him? You know. Yeah. Whereas they were able to connect. That that was side by side parenting. Mm-hmm. You know, right there. That's awesome. Yeah. I think that we're in a time right now where our culture is starting to really recognize the value in welcoming our personal growth and our authentic self and our emotions. Well, you it's know? getting more mainstream. That's it, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Like we're, we're all wearing the like hysterical female t-shirt and the feel all the feels journal that we're writing. Nasty in. gal. Yes. Yeah. Hashtag resist. Um, don't back down. That's all wonderful. Better but. out than in. I'm just like still thinking all that stuff. But right, it feels at times to me yeah. like a huge hypocrisy that we do those things, wear those things, say those things, are supported by that vibe, and then come personally, home. Yeah, personally, yeah, as women. And then, and then come yeah. home and say, don't push back against me. Don't cry. Don't show your true voice and opinion. Don't be nasty or hysterical. Come on. Yeah. Or we don't even say that, but we feel that. Why are you doing this? Ugh, you're being rude. Stop you're expressing. You're being annoying. You're yeah. being loud. Mm-hmm. When that's what we're trying to celebrate in ourselves and with one another. Mm-hmm. Like for making real change, honoring that authentic voice, who we are, how we feel, that that's real. That's amazing. There's value in that. There's yeah. potential for improvement and elevation and growth and we could you know. talk for like five hours about that. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> yeah. Um, about the patriarchy. It is. I feel like that, that, that yeah. the patriarchy is like speaking through us. When we shut down our kids' emotions or our own, it takes our power. It's saying, shh, shh, be quiet. Sit there quietly yeah. and do nothing. Be seen and not heard. Like and all that antiquated crap. Quiet your that, voice. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Don't and, rise up. Right. Yeah. And, and we need to be able to, in this really difficult, challenging way, let our kids rise up and resist and push back and express and do all of these incredibly, incredibly yeah. uncomfortable things, honoring their spirit, but also at the same time, like we talked about earlier, upholding our boundaries, our limitations, the things that can and can't be done. Well, and I think those upholding the boundaries and limitations is a very obvious role as a parent that is passed down. That's okay. That's our job is to hold fast to the rules, to say Mm -hmm. what you can and can't do and why. And there's this whole other side to parenting that's finally coming out through research, through all of these things that says, and at the same time, we can also be honoring that spirit honoring that voice, raising this activist who is authentically aligned to themselves and one another, you know, to that inner voice, you know? Yeah. I think that the power that we can give back to our kids is being curious about, recognizing, celebrating that whole spectrum, I'm doing the arm thing, Mm -hmm. (laughs) of emotions, you know? 
all the colors that our kids experience and are learning about within themselves. Yeah. I feel like when we do this, that that whole welcoming all the emotions, connecting, we're honoring and supporting who they are, which is amazing. We're not saying, oh, I like this part of you, but I don't like that part of you. Or I like you, but when, once you grow into this thing. Right, exactly. It's yeah. not conditional. And that actually allows them to grow up living more integrated, more whole, saying all of these pieces of me are valuable. And I'm going to look into and explore because I can. they're not scary, because they're not dependent on my worth or my value or my lovability. Okay, I can explore and grow in all of these ways instead of sectioning myself off with what I'm willing to look at and what I'm not willing to look at. Yeah. And that's a really big thing for them to be our kids to be in touch and friendly, essentially, with all of those parts of themselves, what we're trying to do so that we can work with and not against all of our feelings and all of our thoughts and all of our beliefs so we can grow and so that they can grow too. Yeah. I think when you think about it, that rainbow, I keep doing the like rainbow arm spectrum mm-hmm. thing. That <clears throat> is such a rainbow that it you're is a making. rainbow. When I say the full spectrum. spectrum, I do the whole rainbow arm. You are. But I think about it just representing like humanity and diversity and flavors, like a spectrum of ephemeral, natural, magical, mysterious, ever evolving things. I mean, what we're cheering on for ourselves as women in our mid 30s. That's what we need to be fostering and nurturing as parents to our kids. And this is the work of parenting that we're going to be working on every day. We don't always do it. We don't always get it right. This is what we're rewriting. We're rewriting these neural structures, this, you know, these neural networks in our brains. We're rewriting the habits we have of reacting and choosing to respond instead. You know, we're rewriting our beliefs about who we are and who our kids can be. It's pretty amazing stuff. That was fun. It was fun. Yeah. As always, we would love to hear your thoughts on our Twin Talk this week. So get in touch, whether DM, phone, email, or through our website, upbringing.co. Yes. And lastly, you are doing an amazing job. We're so proud of you. And we're right here with you, taking steps to better understand ourselves, our kids, and one another. So thanks for being here. We're all growing up together. Till next time. And now for the lullaby bye portion of our show, created in the hopes of inspiring us all to personalize our song singing experience with our kids and ourselves. Yes. Whether they're babies, whether they're toddlers, whether they're children, let them be teenagers. I feel like song has a place in our relationship with our kids and one another in a really big way. Yeah. Yeah. And it can be fun and engaging. And I think this, the whole idea behind this, this lullaby by thing that we're talking about is that we don't have to sing these traditional things that we can connect with our kids in a way that's pertinent and relevant and accessible to us because that's what helps us connect in a true authentic way. Right. In the spirit of resistance, saying whatever <laughs> makes you fucking happy. Yes. And, yeah. And that will trickle down in all the right ways. Totally. <sighs> so what are you going to sing tonight? What better a song for today talking about the spectrum of we welcome all emotions, mm. that beautiful rainbow, than singing True Colors. <laughs> um, yes. Popularized by probably Cindy Lauper was the big. Oh, the she big was the primary for yeah. sure. 
But we grew up singing it and just loving it. And Phil Collins, too. Oh, damn. Phil, so, like, he's on all the biggies. Yeah. When you said that you were thinking about doing it at some point, I looked into the music videos for the links. <laughs> so Cindy Lauper and Phil Collins each have a music video for it. And they're so, like, you have to watch both of them. Okay. First of all, Phil's is... Um, very minimalist, mm. very beautiful, and totally connects to the kids' angle. It's like him walking past like, kids that are crying, know? and he's like patting them on the head and helping them with their struggle, and then they like jump on a trampoline and hang out. It's crazy. Oh, my God. Amazing. And then the Sydney <laughs> Lauper one is like, I, I recommend watching it on mute. Okay. So you can really get the full effect. <laughs> that sounds bad because the song kind of, you know has a lot of magic in mm. it but on mute you really see the full spectrum of 80s amazingness and how young she was mm. and i feel it, like it's just really trippy in general and, was in in at least music video phil totally represented the rainbow because it was the beginning of music videos where it's like anything goes oh sure however you want to portray yourself oh however you want to express yourself hannah, let it all out hannah she's wearing like a chandelier headdress in one part <laughs> she's walking across these like desert moors um passing like a professor talking to children on a bench and then she's like lying there on a bed in a long scene where these billowing sheets are there and then she grabs one and all of a sudden there's this like guy with long hair at the other end of the sheet pulling the sheet back to her oh and God, like it sounds super sexy it, 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 it's amazing <laughs> okay so yay well here goes you with the sad eyes don't be discouraged oh i realize that it's hard to take courage in a world full of people you can lose sight of it all the darkness inside you can make you feel so small i see your true colors shining through i see your true colors and that's why i love you so don't be afraid to let them show your true colors, your true colors, your true colors are shining through. I see your true colors, and that's why I love you so. Don't be afraid to let them show. Your true colors, your true colors are beautiful like a rain.